Hello, all you idealistic filmmakers and remote CEOs, and welcome to episode 35 of A Bookish Affair, where we two Shannons will be your fellow travelers through the world of happily ever after. I'm Shandy, she's Shannon, and we love romance. We are the co-founders of the We Go Public Library's Romance Book Club, A Bookish Affair. We read and discuss diverse and inclusive love stories every second Sunday of the month at the library when it's open, and on Zoom for the foreseeable future. If you are interested in joining a virtual discussion group, perhaps you have some feedback for us or suggestions for the club or podcast, or maybe you just want to say hello, check the show notes for our emails and the link to our Bookish Affair page on lopl.org. We'd like to begin by acknowledging the ancestral, traditional, and unceded territory of the Kalapuya, Cowlitz, Multnomah, and Clackamas peoples on which we live, work, and record this podcast with gratitude. Greetings, everyone. Here we are. You did not even have to wait a month to hear our dulcet tones again. (laughs) So dulcet. So melodious. We are actually songbirds. (laughs) I mean, all that, you know, all that, that tweeting and twittering that you heard in last week's intro, that was actually just us. Those weren't the birds that live at the cabin. No, that was totally us. And that, and honestly, that's really the only tweeting you're ever going to get from us because of how we feel about Twitter. So. <laughs> true. Oh, yeah, so true. <laughs> anyway, we're back. We did not, I, I mean, I should not jinx this episode because it's possible that we will still have to re-record this one four more times, but no, that's not happening again. Um, I, 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 I will not stand for it. Um, anyways, here we are, and I am about to do something I have never done before on this podcast. Um, I learned a few days ago that an old friend and colleague of mine has passed away and I wanted to talk about her for just a moment because she was really special. Um, Susan Kennedy is her name. She was an English teacher at Seattle Preparatory School, Uh, for decades. She was, I cannot even remember how long she was there, but decades worth of students. You know, there were people teaching there at the time that I was there who had been her students. Um, And so I was, I was lucky enough to overlap with her for seven years when I was the assistant librarian there. And she would, she would come by the library several times a week to visit with me and with Janice, the head librarian. And she would walk in the door and Janice and I would just look at each other and be like, Susan's here like we're not going to get a lick of work done for at least 90 minutes and it's going to be awesome. (laughs) I am so grateful for all the hours we spent discussing books and life and more books and like Joe and I were talking about her the other day and and I remembered that you know you've all heard me talk at length um, about the Claire Ferguson and Ross Van Alstyne mysteries by Julia Spencer Fleming, which has been a mainstay of my reading life for a decade now. Um, so you've really heard me speak a lot about those. And Susan was the one who introduced them to me. Um, she was an English teacher. So you know, of course she loved the classics, but she also loved mysteries and Westerns and popular fiction. And she would read just about anything, really. I don't think she was a romance reader per se, Um, but I do know that she believed, like, she believed in the power of books to open minds and to bring people together. And 
in that sense, I think she would very much approve of what we're trying to do here with this club and this podcast. And she would have loved you, Shannon. Um, I just, I just think you would, you two would have just gotten along so well. So I, with your permission, would like to dedicate this week's episode to the inimitable Susan Kennedy, who is, as Claire pointed out, probably kicking some major behind in the literature categories on Afterlife Jeopardy as we speak. (laughs) I just want to say to offer my sincerest condolences to you and Susan's family. She sounds like a really remarkable and very special person. And I'm delighted to have this episode be in her honor. Yay, Susan. So, dear listeners, so Shannon recently reported to me that she has been struggling with a particular trope. And as we had this conversation, we thought maybe it was time for us to, you know, sort of revisit some of those old chestnuts. Um, Because we talked a lot about tropes in the first few months of this podcast. And then we kind of, um, you know, went in other directions. But we thought it might be fun to sort of revisit that conversation, talk a little bit about the tropes that have really been working or in this case, really not working for us lately. So so Shannon, will you kick us off with that troublesome trope of yours and hold on to your hats, folks, because it's not actually Secret Baby. <laughs> Surprisingly, it's not. Um, no, not, not Secret Baby this time. Uh, right now I'm struggling with enemies to lovers. And I don't know if it's just kind of the... Uh, sort of combativeness the angst or something I don't know what it is but so okay for instance I started reading the x talk and I've got to revisit this at another time because it just is getting great reviews it's on like everyone's like you know anticipated lists I cannot get into it because the main character decides just because maybe jealousy I don't, I can't think of a better reason for her to be like so dismissive and um, unreasonable with the main dude, you know? Oh, so enemies to lovers and the grumpy protagonist. It's just, I again, like, is it just like I'm angsting over the angstiness of these? You know, the grump one, especially when the grump to a particular point just is a good jerk. You know, or like an alpha hole. And so example, I I started the hideaway in, which again was recommended to me. And Vince, our main character, has become basically what he hates just to protect himself. It's just over the top. Like he's like, I'm so I've become the alpha. You know, you're like, no. You're just a jerk. Yeah. Like, like he is, I don't know. It's just like, he's just, from my point of view, it's like, how has he not damaged relationships? And like, how do people continue to deal with him? Like, I, it's like that show, the TV show House MD. Like, there's no way under any circumstance. Like, I don't care. If like, this is just good fiction, but Dr. House would not have a job. He just wouldn't. 
So yeah, and again, I totally own that my tolerance for these two tropes is just low right now. My, for whatever reason, that particular angst is just not doing it for me. Like I need an escape not to navigate people's bad behavior or unjustifiable dislike for another person. Yeah, it seems like what you're really describing is the is the that sort of unjustified or unjustifiable. Like it has to make sense. Yeah. And if it doesn't make sense, then it's just a bummer and annoying. Like I get like so in the X talk, it almost seems as if she's jealous of this new person. And I get that. I get those, that, that feelings of insecurity, but you don't have to please, like, you don't, it doesn't usually in a professional environment translate to outward hate and dismissiveness. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, I also like will admit I did not get very far because I think I left off where she's like, why do I dislike this person? I don't know. And I was just <laughs> like, yep, I'm done. <laughs> oh my gosh, people. Like, yeah, examine your feeling. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's my personal tolerance level. And, you know, in book club, we were talking about tropes and one of our, our people was just like, she loves enemies to lovers. She loves that conflict. And again, I think I might be just like in this, like, you know, frame of mind where like, I just, I don't need any more conflict. It's like, I just need like that low angst. Maybe self-reflective is good. You know, a journey, like, you know, like go on a journey, like get out of your comfort zone. But I don't know. There are times in the world where uh, I, I sort of have the the emotional brain space, if that's a thing, um, to deal with a lot of other people's, a lot of other people, fictional people's angst. <laughs> and I wouldn't say that now is one of those times. Um, so it's interesting. I mean, there are obviously still people who are really gravitating toward enemies to lovers. And as we'll discuss in a few minutes, there are still a lot of, there are a number of authors who are doing that really well. Um, but you, so when you describe the hideaway in, which I haven't read yet, um, that sounded to me a little bit like the grumpy sunshine trope and that's grumpy slash sunshine, not yeah. a, a grumpy sunshine person. <laughs> uh, that's not two personality traits in one. Um, <laughs> yes, it was a, it was a second chance. And yeah, I would say the definitely grumpy and yeah, grumpy slash sunshine. <laughs> so in that, that one, conditioning. <laughs> yeah, just like a, a cute, a cute sun with a face, but a really angry face. Um, I feel like Claire could draw me a really good picture of that. Um, so in this one, which is this is not a trope that we've talked a ton about up until now. Um, in that one, we have it. It it's pretty self evident, but we have one main character who is grumpy or unpleasant, but of course, you know, is is a good person at heart heart of gold once you get through like the layers of granite and ice and whatever it is they've built around their heart and you know yeah um and and then you also have you know an, another main character who's just a ray of sunshine in some way or another whether that's just you know sort of general cheerfulness or optimism or an extreme version where you just like 
the super fun friend who's always up for any spontaneous adventure and always getting into trouble and charming their way out of it. And I hear tell that that's a thing. I don't have any friends. <laughs> I have a lot of nice, charming friends, but like, I don't have, I don't have like the wild child spontaneous friend. Anyway, you know, that, that trope can really work, but as you say, it, it also has to make sense. And it, and if it doesn't, it can be so infuriating. So the other main character of Hideaway Inn, does does he have a sunshine vibe going on? In comparison, totally. <laughs> uh, it's also kind of framed that um, he's kind of the small town, small kind of guy, which I sort of found slightly condescending. But maybe they, maybe that was less the off the author and more you know the alpha holes. <laughs> sort of point of view like his his feelings about that area but and I'm I'm totally spacing on this poor main character's name so I'm just going to call him Sonny <laughs> um but I you know Sonny just forgives the alpha hole of his grumpiness because he just knows that that's just not who he is and I'm like really it's been 20 years since I've seen him it could be who this person evolved into. Like, you know, you can't save him. But it is a romance, and I'm being very cynical. So, <laughs> I think I just, I, I think it just, I, I just didn't have the bandwidth for it. It sounds to me like with this book, the payoff had better be really, really good. <laughs> if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly, this is one that our friend Carissa had really liked and recommended to you. So. And then wonder, maybe she has, I have not talked to her about the tropes that she likes. Maybe she just has more patience for grumps than we do right now. <laughs> so yeah, Carissa is the one who recommended it. And I would say that um, without a doubt, Carissa has more patience in most things than mm. I do. So um, she was able to stick with it and she, yeah, she loved it. She, um, she really liked it. So um Again, I might have to revisit this at another time. Perhaps another time. And that's, I think that's from Karina Adores, right? That's the um, the Harlequin category imprint, but the LGBTQ one. I want to say that's a, yeah. a recent one from Karina Adores, which I've been meaning to, you know, I've, I've definitely been meaning to sort of get into um, to those. So, but yeah, maybe, again, maybe another time. <laughs> I was just reading about, uh, Chris Ripper's upcoming rom-com, The Hate Project. <laughs> so, like, it's called The Hate Project. I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> it has two grumps, or maybe a grump and a jerk, and apparently no sunshine. So I don't know. I'm kind of curious about that one because The Love Study, which is the first one in that series, did get really good reviews. <laughs> I am not familiar with either, but I, you know, I, I will say that the two grump storyline, it rings a bell. Like, do you, would you be willing to share us not like, kind of like, would you tell us what it's about? The hate project. I don't love though. So I, I believe that the hate project features a major grouch. His name is Oscar. Of course. <laughs> And and then I think the other guy is kind of like a snarky, cynic kind of guy and kind of argumentative. His name's Jack. 
Um, it sounds like they bicker constantly and then they, they end up in what uh, <laughs> in what the jacket copy refers to as a frenemies with benefits situation. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. This this did get a rave review from KJ Charles on Goodreads, and I tend to really trust her rave reviews. So I think I will give it a shot at some point. But, you know, it, it might be a while. I might I might go with some other tropes for a while. <laughs> well, what, what kind of tropes um, are you gravitating towards right now? Like, what um, do you have one that you're, like, really, like, loving or... Is there one that you're struggling with? Do you remain faithful to your aversion of the best friend sibling trope? Always and forever. I will never get over that. <laughs> you're consistent. I like that. <laughs> you know, I have read so much recently that I'm realizing like you could probably name any trope and I have read something featuring that trope in the last six weeks. I I could almost guarantee you. So once we started talking about enemies to lover, I started casting my mind back to some of my cabin reads. And as I mentioned last time, I was basically, you know, I was reading a novella a day. And so uh, a, a lot, a lot of characters and, and things happening in my brain right now, just trying to remember all those. Um, so, but I have definitely, I, I, I've definitely read a few enemies to lover stories of sort of varying success recently. Christina C. Jones writes some great enemies to lovers. Um, and that is not, you know, that's not by only, not by any stretch of the imagination, the only trope that she um, that she uses, but she does do it really well. Um, Bittersweet is one that I really enjoyed. It's a very short holiday novella about coffee shop coworkers who just do not get along. And there is a little bit more, there's a little bit more backstory to why they don't get along the heroine is the manager and the hero is a relative of the owner of the coffee shop and he's being trained to uh to take over a different you know another branch another store um but she just feels like he is you know he's just there and just always sort of you know kicking it at the shop and not really doing the work to learn the ropes and it makes her crazy uh, but then of course, secretly many sparks are flying. So anyway, that was pretty cute. Um, I think I might love you as a, uh, is another great Christina C. Jones. Um, the protagonists really get off on the wrong foot in a pretty hilarious way that I don't want to spoil, um, because it's too good. And also because it's not entirely appropriate for a family podcast, <laughs> but it definitely sets up some of the most some of the most LOL worthy one-liners I've ever read in a romance. <laughs> so I love those, but you know, her gift is that she can, I think she can make any trope work. I think she could even actually, she's even made sort of the overprotective brother trope work. Um, that one was, let's see, a dash of heat. I want to say there are a couple of protective older brothers. Um, but the younger sister is just like, you guys are ridiculous. You have to let me live my own life and all these very hilarious ways. And so she sort of puts them in her place. Anyway, everything Christina Jones does, she just does with a ton of humor. And I think that really can temper the frankly obnoxious behavior that you find in a lot of enemies to lovers stories. Yeah, I I would agree that humor is very helpful. Otherwise that grumpiness and that angst 
you know, it's just too, too much, too heavy. It's almost a burden for the reader, especially this, this reader. Uh, and I think a lot of readers during this difficult time in our world. And actually, now that I'm thinking about it, um, that uh, going back a moment to KJ Charles' review of The Hate Project, um, the first line of her review is something along the lines of, this is a very, very, very funny book about anxiety and depression. And then she talks about how, like, that's a very odd sentence to say. <laughs> but she said that it, you know, the humor worked really, really well in that book, apparently. So, um, so yeah, sounds like there's a little bit of that to mitigate um, some, some of the angst. And, and speaking of KJ Charles, talk about somebody who does a great job with enemies to lovers, um, not just because she uses humor really well, and she truly does, um, but she's also so good at bringing together people who are, you know, bringing together people who are initially at odds with each other, showing the reader why each of those people is actually a great person worthy of love, even if the other person can't see it yet, and then helping them find common ground and love for each other, of course, but also for themselves. Man, they're just, yeah, it, she's just so, she's so good at everything. Um, I read Band Sinister and The Gentle Art of Fortune Hunting recently, um, and I think those are both great versions of those, of, of that trope. In Band Sinister, there's kind of a, um, a long history of, of these two families feuding um, something that something that did not involve any of the of the relevant parties like the actual characters in the story but like a generation past there was a thing and so the families don't get along um, and then in the gentle art of fortune hunting um, one hero is is pretty sure that the other hero is chasing after hero one's niece um, to marry her and win her fortune and I mean he happens to be right it's true <laughs> But then they're drawn together and, you know, so they're very, very much at odds. Um, anyway, oh my gosh. Yeah, just KJ Charles. <laughs> KJ Charles. <laughs> so that's, you know, that that's a place where I can really, a, another author where she can make almost any trope work, even the, you know, even the sort of angstier ones. Um, I, let's see, I, I really ended up liking uh, When Tara Met Tora which is a very cute FF romance by Tara Palmi, who, um, whose Bollywood category romance, as I've mentioned a few times um, on this podcast. Um, the protagonists don't get along initially. There's definitely some grumpy sunshine going on there too. Um, I think another key is that you can't have your lovers be enemies for too long or too much of the book. If the enemy part takes up a large portion of the book, it's hard it's hard for me to commit unless the author is just incredibly skilled at keeping the characters at odds, but showing us how lovable each one is. Like that's just really not easy to do. And sometimes it just plain doesn't work. Like not everybody is capable of that as an author. Oh, is Zeke, is Zeke feeling the angst too? <laughs> Zeke is having some feelings right now. Oh, Zeke is having some feelings. You hear him? <laughs> so rare. <laughs> That was very cute and pitiful. <laughs> Don't worry, Zeke. She'll be done soon. <laughs> well, this is the shortest episode. He's he's been like running around howling since Justin took off to oh. go outside, and it's like at some point, like I keep waiting for him to wear himself out. 
hasn't happened yet. Oh, it's been about like an hour and a half. Uh, as we've determined, you may just not have the bandwidth for that kind of angst. Or <laughs> oh. oh, at least he's cuddly and lovable, though. Um, so, yeah, being being cute goes a long way. <laughs> In this situation, very much so. Yeah. <laughs> so let's see. Okay. So I'm trying to think if there are other... I definitely read a few recently, and I'm not sure why... You know how sometimes books just sort of group themselves together somehow in weird ways. Um, the sort of, I loved you, but you betrayed me, but it was actually a misunderstanding, but I've still spent years hating you, and now here you are again, which I think is kind of a subset of enemies to lovers. I guess they weren't always enemies. They well, were lovers and, and second chance, too. And second chance, too. Yeah. And and I feel like that can be really hard to do well. Um I read Sweetest Regret by Meredith Duran, um, and I did really like that one, actually. That has two lovers reunited after um, the heroine's father told a terrible lie to keep them apart, um, and they both thought that the other didn't love them, but it was actually this meddling um, meddling other person. Um, so she worked, you know, the author worked really hard to make that one work, and the misunderstanding and the heartbreak and the anger felt really believable on both sides. But you got to do the work. And I've read a few others recently where, you know, that trope is less successful. And sometimes it ends up veering into, you know, curse that evil woman. She's ruined me forever. And I'll never date another brunette again because I can't look at them without thinking of that woman, that evil woman. And then patriarchy gets involved and I'm just over it. Anyway, uh, yeah, tell us how you real, really feel, Shandy. Um, so, Shannon, are there are there any tropes that really are, that actually are working for you right now? Like anything you've been sort of gravitating toward as you, as you know, as you flee screaming from enemies to lovers? <laughs> uh, uh, sorry, I'm just laughing. Um, I don't know, like... I mean, usually I do enjoy second chance romance, but the hideaway end just didn't speak to me. I guess I'm like gravitating towards protagonists who are kind of like starting over, like stepping out of their comfort zones, not necessarily redefining themselves, but just kind of like finding themselves, you know? What trope is that? It's a trope in need of a catchy name is what it is. <laughs> oh, okay. So maybe like, you know, how so-and-so got their groove back. I don't know. I don't know how well that fits on a trope pencil. Yeah. Should we call it like the Stella effect? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I like that. That would look great on a trope pencil. <laughs> I got Shannon this set of, of trope pencils from Longhand Pencils, um, which is a very awesome pencil maker. Uh, <laughs> like, I don't think she makes the pencils. She just puts um, clever sayings on them. Anyway, they're really fun. Did you see that she has a um, supplemental like, one? A supplement, yeah, a trope supplement pack <laughs> with cinnamon roll on it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I need to order that for myself. Yeah, you need that one. Yeah, I, I got my dad the Princess Bride ones. There's a whole set of um, red, white, and royal blue because that had so many good one-liners. Uh, very cute. I actually got Carissa the Golden Girls one. And then I wanted to get, I think that there's, there's both a Fred Rogers pack 
and a Dolly Parton pack. And I have a friend who's a fan of both. And so fortunately I have like until November, till her birthday to decide which one to get her. <laughs> oh my gosh. Who knew that pencils could be so much fun. <laughs> it's the Stella effect. All right. Do you want to tell us what you're reading, what you've been reading, Shandy? Like, I think, I feel like you promised us an update on your cabin reading challenge last time. So I'd love to ask. Uh, well, I actually, and I, I actually counted the number of books that I read and then I completely forgot the number. So I will come back to you next week with that number. Things like that just go right out of my head these days. Uh, I, I mean, truly it, like, I just can't hold on to things like the number of things right now. Anyway, well, suffice like to say, language. <laughs> suffice to say that I have, uh, that, I, you know, I just, I, I did actually read a novella a day um, for the entire time that we were gone, except for that one shameful time when I fell asleep too early. Um, I, I realized, you know, like halfway through the trip, I was just not going to be able to meet this challenge unless I found a reliable and affordable novella source of <laughs> like my Christina C. Jones habit was really starting to add up, which, you know, not a bad thing. As you know, uh, I love to support independent authors, um, but I also just took six week six weeks off. So I, I should probably cool it on the one clicking <laughs> just for the sake of my pocketbook. Um, so uh, I've talked before about Scribd and I have still not looked it up to see if you pronounce it Scribd, but I'm going with Scribd, um, you know, which is a like $9 a month uh, ebook and audiobook subscription. Um, and so I, since I was already paying for that, um, I ended up reading a bunch of novellas available from there. Uh, I enjoyed several in the Chic Manila series by Mina B. Esquera. Um, those can be read as standalones. Um, she's a Filipino author and all of her books take place in the Philippines. Um, they vary quite a bit in terms of how much I enjoy them, but I, I really... <laughs> Don't worry, Zeke. I promise I'm giving her back to you soon. <laughs> Um, I liked, uh, My Imaginary Ex, which is a fake relationship book in that, uh, the protagonists invented a romantic history for themselves that didn't actually happen. And so they have a really hard time keeping track of all the stories that they've been spinning for a really long time. So they're actually just friends, but for a, a series of reasons, they pretend to have been boyfriend and girlfriend in high school, but they weren't, but they've made up all these lies. <laughs> Anyway, um, it kind of, it sounds kind of silly, but it it, it works. Um, I also really liked Fairy Tale Fail. Um, that was a charmer. Uh, I had a, a harder time with No Strings Attached. There was just there was too much friend drama and yelling, and not enough focus on on the romance. It was very much more about the about uh, about how your friends don't always know what's best for you, um, and it was just kind of stressful to read. So. <laughs> Um, let's see what else on also on Scribd found a historical holiday romance anthology, um, featuring books by, uh, Sabrina Jeffries, Meredith Duran, Karen Hawkins, and Candace Camp, you know, like those authors that you see on book spines all the time and just haven't gotten around to reading. Um, so 
So I felt like that was a good way to like, okay, I actually do see these authors' names a lot. This is a very, uh, you know, this is a very quick and easy way to see if I want to read more from them. Um, I did, I, I spoke briefly about Sweetest Regret, which was the Mer- Meredith Duran entry. Um, that was absolutely the strongest of the four. Definitely planning to read more of hers. Um, she has really beautiful covers too. So that's always a draw for me. Um, yeah, some of the others were a touch meh, but I think I would give Candace Camp another shot. Let's see. Oh, I uh, I got an arc of Adriana Herrera's upcoming category romance from Harlequin Desire. Um, I read that in a couple of afternoons. Uh, it's called One Week to Claim It All. And I liked it quite a bit. I'm used to either, I'm used to either longer or shorter books from Herrera. And so this length felt a little strange, even though I generally, as we've talked about before at length, I often really enjoy the category length because it's short enough to finish in a couple of afternoons, but it still feels a little bit, you know, meatier than a novella. Um, But there, there were places, there were a lot of places here where it felt rushed. And I I guess I'm chalking up some of the things that I wasn't as crazy about to the limitations of the category length. Um, I I thought the villains were a little one dimensional and the I don't quite know how to describe it on a family podcast, but maybe just overuse of cringy love scene stock phrases. Uh, <laughs> there's a little bit of that going. Overall, it was, I, I would recommend it. Um, I love the cover, the heroine, the premise, the heroine's mom and her tias. They were great. Um, there will be at least one more in the series and it's a snowed in for Christmas romance. So I am excited about that. Ooh. Yeah. um okay so before we go on to your current reads i would like to take a moment to say that um my next beverly jenkins is going to be forbidden which is the first in the old west series because both rita my mother-in-law and evie our podcast super fan um just read it so i got it for rita for christmas um and she wrote me a very cute thank you note about never having had a book with a um, shirtless man on the cover. (laughs) So she read it at the cabin, perfect cabin reading, by the way, um, and left it for me. And then when Evie came down to the cabin, she picked it up, ended up bringing it home with her to San Francisco and gave it back to me after finishing it a couple of days ago. So (laughs) I was really, you know, Evie, I would not call either Evie or Rita a romance reader. Um, And we all... I spent a lot of time talking about it with each of them. And I, I know that that book did not single-handedly turn either of these women into a romance reader. Sure. But I think there's a lot to be said for the fact that they both finished it, um, that they both finished it pretty quickly. And Rita went on to read Tempest, which is the next one in the series. Um, so I think I'm going to try to read this series, the Old West series, interspersed with some of the contemporary Blessings book um, to sort of just get the you know, the sort of the whole breadth of the, of the Jenkins ancestors and descendants situation. Yeah, I think that's actually, you know, maybe they're not going to, you know, run out and explore the whole romance genre, but they found an author that they trust. And, and I think half, half of that is just finding a good author and, I, and honestly, you know, I think that we've kind of talked about this before. It's kind of a testament to the power of Beverly Jenkins. You know, don't you think? Like, she's that good that, like, even non-romance readers connect to her work, connect to her stories, 
and are, you know, and are engaged in it. I think that's exactly it. I will say Evie had some quibbles with how slow of a slow of a burn Forbidden is. And she was like, she was like, okay, I'm reading a romance novel. So here we are, but they haven't even kissed yet. <laughs> and I can I get pretty impatient with a slow burn too, you know, as we've discussed here. Um, she actually showed me where her bookmark was in the book when th- when things finally started getting interesting in that regard at least. And my first thought was, that is unconscionable. <laughs> that's kind of like, oh, I, that's kind of like, you know, pride, prejudice, and other flavors. Again, and, and this is where you have to trust the author to take you there, you know? And so it's like, are they romance or is it just a really good story? Like, what are you there for? If it were anybody other than Beverly Jenkins, I'd be like, hmm. I don't know. Maybe I'll skip that one, but I, I trust her. I know, um, you know, I know she's not going to let me down slow burn, slow burn or not. And, you know, I will be tapping my toes waiting, <laughs> but at least I'm prepared. At least I know <laughs> approximately where things are going <laughs> So what about you, Shannon? Do you have any any Beverly Jenkins reads upcoming? Um, anything else interesting you've been reading these days? I have Indigo on hold and that hasn't come in yet. So I'm sort of a little anxious about that, like <laughs> chomping at the bit for that one. But I mean, other than that, it's sort of been like the last couple of weeks, I feel like it's just been, you know, picking things up, reading a few pages and then moving on to the next title, you know, like kind of the, the aforementioned enemies to lovers, you know, above. I think our book club book is the only one I've managed to read cover to cover. You know, it is what it is. Some weeks are just like that. I Let's be real. In 2020 and 2021, a lot of weeks have been like that. <laughs> yeah. And I am very glad you got through the book club book. I hope it was because you liked it and not because, you know, you were like, oh my gosh, I'm one of the moderators. I have to finish this book. So <laughs> we will be, fear not listeners, we will be recapping our book club discussion, which we had yesterday um, in our next episode. Yeah. I do want to say, um, going back to kind of like the your comment about 2020 and 2021, I feel like it's just, it's been a mood. It's like, you got to find the thing that really fits the mood. But, you know, for the most part, I liked the Duke who didn't, our book club book. And not to put unnecessary suspense or angst where there shouldn't be. I will save my commentary for the next episode. Fair enough. (laughs) So the Ripped Bodice sent out a newsletter of new releases And uh, one of the featured new releases was You've Got Plaid by Eliza Knight. And it just, I don't know, you know, talking about a mood, it just like sent me down this rabbit hole of like looking at Highlander romances. I haven't read any of them. I really, I I probably should. But have we done Hit Me With Your Best best Scott by (laughs) Susanna? I've said it, you know, sure. I'm, I'm going to trust you because you, you speak, you speak language well, uh, Enoch. Um, I mean, 
Oh my gosh, there's also like the sinful Scott, a seductive Scott, a scandalous Scott, a sexy Scott. I mean, is it just me or is it getting hot in here? I feel like between a Highlander and a hard place, which is actually a title for crying out loud. Um, I think you mean, is it getting Scott in here, which is an actual book title also by Suzanne <laughs> which I obviously need to read. Oh my God. Yes! It is getting Scott in here. Perhaps I should actually endeavor to read some Highlander romance. Maybe maybe that would help this like reading funk slash bit of mood. I don't know. You know, uh, you just never know, lass. It really might. <laughs> I have read a few Scott's adjacent novellas recently. Uh, I've been surprised at sort of the scarcity of kilts i really just figured it would be all kilts all the time but it just goes to show that you shouldn't make assumptions about things um yeah i mean a kilt or two but honestly but isn't that the whole point kind of (laughs) i mean that's i feel like that's like the predominant conversation i have with people who are like really into like highlander and and Mm -hmm. scott stories or or bars in Oregon City, they're there to see the kilts. Like, I thought that was the point. Yeah. Yeah, it's a mystery. <laughs> uh, I clearly have a lot to learn. Okay. <laughs> clearly we do. All right, well, let's go on this journey together. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> oh, dear listeners, it is time once again to say farewell to you or whatever they say in Scotland um, when they when they need to <laughs> Ciao. Adieu. Bye. Yeah. So long. Um, Farewell. Anyway, we'd love to hear from you. What are your favorite and your least favorite tropes these days? Is anybody else in a reading slump and how are you going to get out of it? Do you have any favorite, you know, Scots-oriented punny romance titles? And can you tell us more? about why there have been so few kilts in the Scottish romances I have read. You can find us on the Bookish Affair page at LOPL.org. You can comment on an LOPL social media post. You can seek me out on my bookstagram at Shandy B. Reads. I believe yours is still on a bit of a hiatus. Um, But I should remind you all that the opinions expressed there are my own and do not reflect those of the library or even of this podcast. This is just me talking about books. (laughs) because you know we like to talk about books and you know speaking of talking about books please join us uh for our june book club Uh, we will be discussing the meet cute club by jack harman on june 13th at 11 a.m pacific standard time on zoom Uh, please contact us to register oh and maybe we should mention maybe we should mention that that Romance Book Club book pick is a book about a romance book club. Could that be why we loved it? (laughs) If you hesitated about joining a romance book club, I think now is the time. I think the universe wants you to read Meet Cute Club and then have a meet cute with us at our club. (gasps) I love a meet cute. We had a meet cute with a couple people this past week. You. It was your meet cute. 
I, yeah, I was talking to some really nice people on the OLA, Oregon Library Association, um, conference message boards. And I really didn't, as I said, I, I did not set out to like drag people into our book club, but I posted a question about what people, what romances people had been reading. And I started getting these responses rolling in and I'm thinking, okay, well, so-and-so loved us. Okay. These people need to join our book. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I just kept like posting over and over again, just just in case anybody wants to, you can email me at such and such. And then some people did. It was so exciting. So yes, that that was a very that was a very nice meet cute that we had. Uh, Hashtag <laughs> meet cute. Hashtag OLA. <laughs> oh, I know. Romance bringing people together. So if you would like to meet us cutely, please contact us and and we will set that up. We will make that happen. <laughs> We can't wait to meet you. Yay, we can't wait to meet you. And in the meantime, enjoy the spring weather. Enjoy your favorite tropes. Avoid your least favorite tropes because life is too short. And we shall see you very soon. We'll we'll talk to you soon. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, see, see, yeah. It's all. Hi everyone, this is our Castiversary. We published episode one on May 11th, 2020, so thank you for sticking with us for a whole year. For the latest details about indoor holds pickup, including available services, masking and distancing requirements, time limits, and building capacity at the Lake Oswego Library, check LOPL.org. We could not do this podcast without the help of quite a few awesome folks. We are grateful too. We're grateful to Allison Arnold and Anya Woodhouse for being our rocks and our champions and for taking care of everyone in the library. Rick Lyons for giving us this crazy idea in the first place and making us believe we could do it. Carissa Barrett for having way more patience than we do with fictional grumps and with everything else. Chris Myers for good trouble and good book recommendations. Kira Taylor for oh so cheerfully acquiring just about anything we ask her to. Noelle Elson, Amy Grimes, and Todd Mecklem for answering all of our emails and making us look good on social media. Special thanks to Noelle, Jill, and Steve for always listening to the end. And everyone at LOPL has provided so much encouragement and support. Evie is our biggest cheerleader, and we hope all podcasters have a super fan like her. Claire D usually does our credits and corrections, but she's off this week. She's actually standing right next to me. Yeah, I'm doing clay sculptures. Yeah, she's doing some art some sculpting so one of my plushes mm-hmm, yeah we're just anyway she's got the week off and you're stuck with me yeah sorry <laughs> thanks to justin and joe our very own romance heroes we think you lads would look great in kilts and thanks most of all to our book club members and podcast listeners who keep us inspired and always searching for the next happily ever after